Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Previously on the InFocus Show. Well, I suppose, like, the Ken Stevens medal is probably where... What I do now is probably all initiated back then, um, and e- even maybe before then. Uh, I came into the game, and my mum was a school teacher, so uh, and she always said to me about education come first. You know, you, you make sure you do your schoolwork before you to play. Um, be a good student at school. She was at the school, so I couldn't. I couldn't muck up. I can. She found out everything. You know, my mum. So. Um, you know, again, it doesn't hurt to look back to remember sometimes those particular feelings and which can end up being the fuel that spins you on to, to, you know, continue to change. So, Dean, for a long time now, I've been looking through your history and you've been an ambassador for the National Aboriginal Sports Corporation Australia. You're a dedicated champion of positive change for the Indigenous community, educating the wider community in various initiatives, whether it be the many podcast shows, you guest or host, or, you know, you're a strong advocate and proud representative people there's no denying your commitment to elevating the profile and achievements um, of indigenous um, and aboriginal people which i would say is your endearing legacy beyond your on-field achievements i couldn't help but draw some parallels in your life and arthur Bateson's life as his was a bit of a blueprint to the path you were perhaps carving out for yourself was that intentional or unconscious a uh, bit of both, I suppose. Like, I lived with Arthur Beach when I first moved to Sydney, so it's one of the proudest things of my life is to say that I lived with him when I, when I first moved down to Sydney. So, and he was the one who, who spotted me. Um, so, he'd come, and the reason why I went to the Roosters was all Arthur Beach, and he drove to Armadale to have dinner with my family and talk about the prospects of me coming to Sydney. And as soon as he left the house, I remember my dad said, Yep, you're going to the Roosters if it's good enough for Arthur Beach and to drive all this way, um, but Arthur Beaton is God in rugby league. Oh, yeah, know, he is. like For everyone, yeah. and he made such a difference in this game that, um, you know, he's we stand on the shoulders of those that come before us, and Artie Beaton is definitely the, one of the, the main ones that I think of yeah. when I think about people who created a legacy and people who gave us opportunities and people whose inspiration still lives with me every day, and he's that man. So a bit of yes to both of those those questions and to carry on his work in some small way is um, something that I'm proud of every day. That's great. Um, I think he would be proud of you too. <laughs> uh, I hope he is. Uh, I know he used to love love seeing me and, and great yarns whenever I caught up with him. And um, yeah, just 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 a a man that is dearly missed today um, but I hope he's happy when, when he looks down and watches it all because he, he was the start of creating a lot of this stuff for a lot of our Indigenous players. Yeah and he was quite a pioneer as well. Um, I think one of the things that really stood out was I think he was the first Indigenous um, you know Captain of a person, national sporting yeah, team. Yeah, so he was the first the Indigenous person to captain his country and that was at a time when the Racial Discrimination Act hadn't even been passed by our government. Um, 
And Aboriginal people only just become citizens, recognised as citizens. So for him to be captaining this country in rugby league in Queensland, be a Queenslander, when Queensland was a very racist place at that time, and to be loved like they did, it just blows your mind. Yeah. And you have to be a very special person to be able to achieve that. He was. Yeah. I'm glad he's the model. <laughs> I'm glad. So you're the head coach of the NRLW Parramatta Eels team for another year. Now you've coached various teams and winning teams too, um, like the Indigenous Women's All-Stars and the Redfern All Blacks. Mm-hmm. You've proven for a while that you've got the goods to coach um, and now you're in a head coach position for your old club, which must be great. How happy were you to be appointed and how's the role been for you as a talented team of women and crew? Well, well I love the club. You know, Parramatta is so important to me. It's such a great area. Western Sydney is what I love about rugby league and particularly about the Eels. The people out there are tough. They're there beside you in a fight. Um, they love their team. They're so passionate about supporting their team. And Parramatta makes a difference to their, all of their lives when they win. So yeah. that success makes them all feel like a success. And I love that about it. And they're just great people. You know, the fans still today when I go to a Parramatta game, they they love to sit and have a yarn and have a chat and talk about their memories and how much they love their team and stuff like that. So I really love the club. And, um, and when we started off the women's, and it, it's, it's a challenge, you know, you're the uh, new team to the competition, competition's going for four years. There was a lot of adjustments the club needed to make and, and stuff like that. So it was really challenging first little part of the season, but we've got some terrific people there amongst the playing group and the girls that I know we're going to build a, a really solid club. And the the impact the girls are having on the whole of Parramatta's club and terrific staff that they've got there working in all different parts of the game, that's I, could, I can see that bubbling up. Yeah. I can see it all bubbling up. And the, we're getting the right people in the right places um, to build the foundations of what will be a really solid football, female football club in years to come. The talent pool in that Western Sydney area around Marylands and Parramatta and, and out to Blacktown and uh, the Hills District, the Liverpool, like there's just so many talented young girls out there. And um, last year, like we had girls come from all different backgrounds and stuff like that, but they, their families were all Western Sydney families. Yeah. And I believe that that's the team needs to be built on and that's what will take the team forward in this game. So... I've loved every minute of it. Um, it was really good first year we've had, but this next year, this next season, starting in about four or five weeks, yeah. that's going to be where we need now to take those next steps further. Yeah, sort of proving that, you know, yeah. everything from season one. And I'm looking forward to it because I think we've got the right people there yeah, to no, continue this journey. So excited. Um, and it's really also exciting for the say. So continuing in the legacy vein, do you see your future continuing in the coaching space and eventually for a men's team or are you enjoying the challenge and reward that comes from coaching the women's league? I really love coaching in the women's game. Um, I see as the game grows more, the female game, to a full competition, um, you'll, you'll need to either decide to focus fully on your coaching or continue to do some of the other stuff that I do, which is really important for me. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to make a decision about that at the time or someone else will make that decision <laughs> for me. But um, for where I am right now and, and the shorter season that's just in the women's game, 
I, I really love that part of coaching that I get to do, and particularly with the women. Um, as for coaching the men, obviously it's a full-time gig. There's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more focus and time and energy that goes into that. And at this stage right now, I'm, I'm not ready to commit my whole life to coaching male rugby league. Um, that might change down the track, but I, I do love the opportunities I get to try and make a difference in my community through the other avenues that I work. So I'm not willing to give that up at this stage. Yeah, and fair is fair. Good point. Because I see your daughter, Yulara, she debuted for the South Sydney Raptors Natasha Cup this year. Um, she's carrying on the Wetters legacy in the game. Um, are you the informal coach to her <laughs> post-game, pre-game, off the field? Um, advisor? <laughs> uh, look, when it comes to my kids, I I, I um, don't push a rugby league career onto them. I want them to feel that they have the freedom to be whatever they want and that their dads and love them and support them no matter what. So I really do on purpose try and take as much of a back step as I can on their rugby league careers yeah. because to me it doesn't matter if my daughter plays rugby league or doesn't play at all, my son plays, they're my kids, I'm going to love them unconditionally and I'm proud of them on other things that they do in their life, not just the footy career. And look, yeah. I, I know that football is something that you can do playing a sport. There's more to me than being a rugby league player and there's more to my kids than what they can do on a footy field. So and carrying that name and expectation and stuff like that is something that I just really want to steer away from. So yeah. I purposely don't really talk much about their, their careers. I'm, I'm proud of them. She makes me proud when she scores tries in footy. She makes me proud when she does really good things for her mother and for her grandmother. Yeah. So I guess that's just something else that she's done. If she does it well, I'll, I'll be happy for her and proud for her. But there's there's other things that I, that I love seeing my kids well, yeah, every parent wants to see it. Um, and I've seen it in, in rugby league. There's so much pressure on people. My, my, my son's um, name is Dean Jr. And there was just so much expectation and pressure on him as a young kid. And that was just from other people. Yeah. They turn up to games and they were all eyes on to see how he'd play. he played. He couldn't get away with nothing on, on a footy field. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, if, if he didn't meet someone's unrealistic expectations every time or people would comment on him where yeah. other kids could just turn up and play and no one knows who they are. That's so right. so it was a hard thing and I saw that from a young age and with my with my with my son uh, and he has fantastic ability as a football player, as a coach, I, I watch him and I go, this kid can play. And the same as my daughter, but I try and let other people coach him. Yeah, I was gonna say you would have had that similar type of pressure with your father and your uncle um, with their playing careers. I mean, a lot of people would have had similar sort of eyes, eyeballs on you and similar expectation. How did you deal with it? Yeah, well, I felt that I played for the opportunities that my dad and my uncle didn't get. Yeah. So I would get everyone talk to me about how good my dad was, how good my uncle was. And if you're as good as them, you're going to be fantastic. And can you play like your dad? That's what everyone used to say. And I always looked at that as it was a positive for me because I'm playing for my dad's ability and the lack of opportunities that he got, I'm going to I'm going to make it as a player so that I can tell everyone else, well, these guys were better than me and they just didn't get given a chance. And so yeah. I felt like I carried that. And, I, and as a young fellow in Armadale, there's tremendously successful now and Eels. Like, they won everything. No one could beat them at yeah. times up there. And they played everyone from all over the state. 
And this is when country footy was good everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teams they beat in that area were some of the best teams in bush footy. So, mm-hmm. And then the Koori knockout as well. They they won those Koori knockouts when they were great teams. At the knockout. So I feel like, and everyone talked about how they were all great players, but they just didn't want to make the move or they weren't. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't really adjust. Yet. They couldn't adjust to city life or they didn't want to give up home or clubs wouldn't give them the support or opportunity. So there's all these reasons why they, a lot of these talented footy players didn't make it. And I was like, well, I'm going to carry all of them on because then one day I get to talk about how good they were and people will listen. Yeah. I feel that that's what's happened. That's well, I think you've certainly achieved that. Yeah. You know, but you can, like, look back and see what you've been able to achieve, not only for yourself, but, I mean, like, um, Mail and, you know, yeah. for your clubs. You know, as the prominence of the query Mail, uh, Corey Knockout comes bigger and bigger, which which rightfully deserves. People are now looking back at some of these spectacular teams and going, geez, they were a talented team. Mm. And the Narwin team was one of the main teams they talked about. And people talk about how, still talk everywhere about how good they were in the 80s. And, and, you know, the legend. The legend, yeah. And just, I'm really proud of that. And, uh, I feel that. That expectation on me as a young fella wasn't something that weighed me down. It was something that inspired me. Yeah, it just elevates and lifts you. Well, that's actually really good and, you know, very insightful as well. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we head on to the end of the interview. But in your head coach of the Eels, given an opportunity to really establish and shape what that role, um, you know, will be going forward for a coach to female players or um, even just the club um you know and as i think about like other young women coming up in their future are you conscious of you know that particular uh stamp and your fingerprints that you will leave on that role going forward um you know while you're at the helm and what that will mean um, for anyone who sort of comes in after you yeah and i look uh, in one of the first things i did last week we got a bit of a sort of meet and catch up with the girls and the first thing i did was put up uh, how to say hello in all the different languages of the Pacific. Talk to the girls about the greetings and stuff like that. And then another thing that's important to me is the pronunciation of last names. Mm. And talking to some of our players about that importance because if your name's said a certain way in the Pacific, that's how it needs to be said here. And I, I believe that because... Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, all your aunties and uncles, they have their last name that they're proud of and it's something that identifies them and connects them. And you come to Australia and you make it as a rugby league player and then your name is said a different way. And if you allow that, well, that, that, that name's always going to be said that way in Australia for the rest of it. And then you're the one who's changed it from the way... Your grandparents said it from the way it's meant to be said. So I believe that that's that next part that's happening in the game and that's something that's really important to me with our girls out there is make sure your name's said right Mm. and, you know, make sure you let us all know. And and just the thing of the greetings and the cultural backgrounds because I believe that's where the strength for our players come from. Western Sydney and the the movement of Pacifica into Western Sydney, um, the population out there and, and what they've creating Western Sydney now around multiculturalism, uh, the arts and all those sort of things all through Western Sydney and sport mm-hmm. has been one of the biggest movements in Australia in any sort of uh, industry. And 
I love that as part of rugby league, and I, lo- I love it that rugby league's allowed that. So I really encourage our girls to bring that to, to what we do. And last year in COVID, we, we we had some cultural nights and stuff like that. We couldn't go into it a whole heap because of the COVID restrictions that were still around the team. Yeah. But for me, I still love that part of it, you know, the sharing of knowledge and sharing of food. Mm. Yeah, so, and we got some great food brought to the I was going to say, there is never a bad dish. Um, no, any, um, never. And the love and care they get put into it when it's made. Yeah. That's, you sense that. When, you know, we had, we had um, a punch made up, for, you know, the Tonga, is it a Thai? A thai? I'm not sure. That's a, I don't know how they pronounce it in Tonga, I've forgotten now, but um, one of our players' grandmothers made this punch. And it was just beautiful. And I've added at a few of the Pacific events that I've turned up to, and everyone loved it. But you could just see the love and the pride that went into making that. Yeah. And then all the different foods that we had that day, uh, that's people giving part of themselves to you. And yeah. I love that part of it. And I, th- I believe that that's one of the most important parts of a footy club is having those deep-rooted connections mm-hmm. and understanding of each other's backgrounds. Yeah, it just sort of makes you closer and, you know, in a roundabout way you become family. And that's exactly families play for each other more and mm-hmm. that's what I want to try and create. No way, coach. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Um, look, we are coming to the end of our interview, but I, one of the last last questions I did want to ask is, where do you want to see the future of the game for NRL? Like, whether it be over the next five to ten years, if it be that the women's game becomes like a full time paid, um, you know, contract. So this is where I get to be the CEO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, look, I, I, look, there's a couple of things. I think the women's game, full-time contracts, full-time pathways programs, um, and access for people all over the country to be able to play this game. And yeah. growth of talent pools all through Western Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia. We've got to, we've got to get access to what's out there. And there's so many talented female athletes out there, and even male athletes out there, but they just haven't got those opportunities on the pathway for elite rugby league training to be part of their Young, young lives. So we need to have that. All through the Pacific, we need to make sure that there's opportunities for these guys to come and women, men and women to come through and have that same access as well. And where does that start? I, I, look, I believe the Pacific test and the Pacific, what we're doing in those highlighting those big games, it's, it's got to be a priority for the international game, mm-hmm. which means it's got to be a priority for the NRL. Like the NRL currently pulls on nearly 50 to 60% of our players from the Pacifica, our elite players. Yeah. We've got to give something back to those communities and we've got to prioritise so. Um, so that's Pacific game uh, tests and the representation of these guys to go back and represent their nations. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a priority. Yeah. And the way, look, I, I know it's just come up recently with um, uh, Jerome Luai and... Uh, uh, to, oh, to play right, for yeah. to play for Samoa, the, you know, the, and we should give them every opportunity to do that. And mm. if that means that we they get to play state of origin because the financial rewards and the I suppose the aspirational and achievements of playing origin is what every player wants. Yeah, we've got to give them that. Yeah, let them play for the Blues. They grew up in Sydney. They they want to play for New South Wales. Play for. But if they choose to play for Samoa over Australia, well, that's okay. Yeah. Because we must grow the international game. We must 
have every, we can't keep winning. What does Australia want to win 50 years in a row? Like it's, we, we've got to grow the international game, which then helps grow everything for all of us. Yeah. And then, um, and then also out of, you know, not weakening Australia, but these guys going back and playing for Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, it's going to boost the game all across the world. But then it also forces Australia to grow those other talent pools because we're going to need kids from the bush now because we can't just get the, all the Islander boys from Western Sydney because yeah. they're passionate about representing their, their parents they're and their grandparents and heritage. So, yeah, no, no, no. Um, and I think it makes us all better. It grows the whole game. So I believe that that's the, that's the number one area I'd invest in if I was in charge of the game. Yeah, wow, exciting. Um, look, I myself, um, you know, am someone. New Zealand born, but <laughs> living here in Australia. And if someone actually said to me, Would you put on the chest to go and play women's rugby league for Samoa? Not that I'm, you know, currently training or anything, but I would be absolutely. Uh, there's not there's not a lot of um, of opportunity there. It's not like they've got the facilities to train them up to be, you know, at the level that they could be like be happy in Australia. So it could be and it is like you see the effect that Tonga had. When they play, I've never seen anything like that in sport. In any sport. You mean the, the fanfare? The fans, the, the pride those players had, the passion, um, the unity that the country did getting behind these players. Mm. Like, you can't tell me that's not the most powerful thing that we've seen in sport. The All-Stars for our Indigenous boys, like, I see the effect that that has on our people and what it's created for them. Yeah. This is why we play. There's this passion and power that comes through. We've got to tap into that more. Oh, like absolutely. there's so much more of it that we can do. And I can't think of any other story in the game or in sport that's nearly as good as that one story. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's such a small nation. They've turned up out of nowhere in like big numbers to like proudly. It's excitement. It's yeah. entertainment. It's fun. It's it's everything that's good about sport, right? Yes. And uh, the inspiration, the, the cultural, the pride, like you see the players have, like, I love it. And this is, we all have, and like I said earlier at the start of the interview, we all feel that way about our cultures. And, yeah. and we all feel that way about our people. The game needs to keep giving us those opportunities to keep expressing that. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Do you think, um, obviously, that opportunity to be able to play and represent your um, Obviously, your heritage um, and international, you know, should really just happen right now. Um, but in terms of the full-time um, contract for um, NRLW um, in the next two to five years, do you think? I think now. Like, I think there's there's players out there, and I can think of a few Australians: Samoa Matafa, Tiana Panatani. They deserve to play as okay, full-time, full-time athletes because they are. Yeah, these they're wonderful ambassadors for our game, and uh, they're gonna. They put so much into it that they deserve the full-time contracts now. And I, I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot. Of, there will be girls next year. I'm, I'm confident that will be on full-time contracts. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think we're all pretty excited to see what that's going to look like too. Right. Thank you, Dean. We've come to the end of our series part of the uh, interview. We have this thing called the Mojo 10, which is ask you 10 questions. Um, it's just a little bit about yourself. It's yep. nothing really related to um, all the serious stuff. Uh, but it's only 10 questions. Are you ready to take the mojo 10? Let's get the mojo 10 on. Excellent. All right. Dean, what is the best drink? 
my favourite drink would be a banana smoothie. Oh, I'm not an alcohol drinker, so I don't need a banana smoothie. Excellent, good choice. Or a close second to a chocolate milkshake. <gasps> yeah, chocolate uh, No, I agree. I agree. Uh, well done. Correct answer. <laughs> and question number two: What's one thing you own that you should really throw out? I want to get this right. Uh, old watches. Old watches? Yeah. Because no one wears them. I don't wear them. I never wear it. Okay. I, I, I noticed for, that you're not wearing a watch right now. I haven't now. worn it for seven years. <laughs> no, I haven't worn it for nearly 15 years. Okay. So I've, I've still got it. I don't know why. All right. Um, question number three. Have you ever asked someone for their autograph and who? Stephen Gerrard, the Liverpool soccer player, because I'm crazy. Like, You're fan. a crazy fan? Yeah, Liverpool soccer. Look at his autograph. Was that when you were over there? Um, no, I was in America. In America, yeah. Oh, was this the poolside story yes. that I've heard about? Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting at the pool and I was with Nigel Rangana and um, Sam Tungata Esse and Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. And we had... Uh, well, I kept looking over their shoulder at the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We had pizzas, and I kept looking over the shoulder, and um, they they were looking behind, thinking there must be some famous model or some <laughs> celebrity celebrity woman sitting at the poolside. Right. And there was only this guy with these two little kids and a little skinny guy. And he kept Russell look back, and, and I, I I must not have been it must have been so obvious. I just couldn't take my eyes off him. Like, Russell was talking to me and I was like, kept looking like at, behind over his shoulder. Yeah. And he's like, and he ends up saying to me, what the hell are you looking at? That's what Russell says to me. What are you right. looking at, man? And I said, I don't know if you guys know, but that guy over there, Stephen Gerrard, he's like my hero. He's, uh, and I couldn't believe it. When I sat there and noticed him over there, like my, I just the first time in my life I ever got like nervous butterflies. and butterflies yeah. and excited. Because I've been watched him play soccer in um, England and just loved it. And then he was in LA playing at that time because he'd finished playing in England. And so Russell went over and grabbed him and brought him back. But that was the one guy's autograph I've got because I don't think I've ever gotten anyone else's autograph. That's a great story. Jeez. My and hero, my hero at the pool. And you even had Russell Crowe like facilitate the entire. Yes, he went over, got him, brought him over, and he came over. He put his shirt on. He came over and had a little chat and sat down and had a yarn. Got photos with him, got photos with him. Oh. It's the only time I've ever been starstruck. The only other um, autograph I'd want. Now, I know you're a bit of a country music fan. Massive country fan. And is Tim, like, the ultimate? He's the ultimate. So he'd be the only one I'd ever ask someone else for autograph. All right. And I met him, but I didn't get an autograph. Next time. (laughs) Great. Uh, question number four. Um, what's one thing you can't live without? My bed. I have noticed your Insta posts. Yeah. Where, love um, where whenever you miss your bed and then you're back again. Yes, <laughs> it's the best feeling ever. And I have the best sleeps and I love my bed. Yeah. No, that's honestly fair call. Especially when it's got your own pillows as well. That makes a big difference. All right, question number five. What's your favourite action movie? Uh, Born Identity. I love all the Born 
Now, I know this, that you're a Matt Damon fan. Yeah. Uh, you've done your research because, yeah, he's my favourite actor, mate. So all the Bourne series? All the Bourne series. What is it in particular that draws you to? Um, he is just cool. He is so cool. Doesn't get flustered. Just I've never seen him actually as cool as what Jason Bourne is. But then I, I also, because I am such a Matt Damon fan, I love him in all the movies as well. So maybe it's just like, like that, but I do think that Jason Bourne is definitely. Yeah, just very. Even Almost when like, even when he's having a mad fight scene, he's still doing it calm. Yeah, I know his face seems yeah. to look very composed. The stage, very composed. He very... doesn't seem bad or anything. No, I love, I love it. <laughs> All right, question number six. What is your favourite smell? Uh, my name's... Mm. Yeah. And she can cook anything that's just the most average meal of, like, porridge. But I've never tasted anyone's porridge that tasted as good as mine. Really? And I don't know what it is. My auntie, my auntie that, that um, looks after my nan, she sees a close second because my nan taught her how to make it. They definitely make it different to anyone else. And I, even the way I try and make it and the way mum or anyone around the world, I've you know, I've never tasted the taste the same way as what my nan does, but my nan, like her apple pies, her roast, her bread and butter pudding, like there's just, these are just all my favourite smells. Yeah, and and like all those memories sort of come yeah. back. Yeah, it's like nothing that. like my nan's house mm. when I walk See, I've heard someone say that the reason why because it's made with love. I reckon, and I reckon that's definitely the case. <laughs> Question number seven. What's the most used app on your phone? Most used app? Um, probably my Instagram. Really? Okay. Uh, I'm just thinking, what else do I use a lot? I use maps a lot. Okay. Or the airline ones, the airline entertainment, because I'm flying so many places. I'm just looking through my apps here right now. SBS On Demand, I watch a lot of that to see some of the shows. A the... little bit of a plug there for yeah, SBS. Well. Yeah, it looks like it would be oh, the NRL app too, Spotify. Yeah. There's a few there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's a good thing about the Spotify one because question number eight is you've got one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Uh, probably, probably. Tim McGraw, uh, live like you are dying. Live like you're dying. Yeah. I haven't heard it, but you got to, you got to, you got to listen to it. I'll definitely. I, yeah. I won't try and sing it, but that, that'll probably be the one song. <laughs> I'll listen to it after that, so I can um, have it for the day. All right. Question number nine: Best advice you've ever received? My mum, you know, it's, uh, oh. My mum gave great advice, actually, but there's there's something that um, I like that Craig Fitzgibbon is coach at the Cronulla Sharks, mm-hmm. and I played with him at the Roosters, and this is something simple that he just said to me one day. He goes, it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you end up that really counts. Yeah. And I, I believe that because like, I feel no matter what bad position someone's in, no matter how tough their circumstances are, no matter how much bad is in the person, yeah. You can end up somewhere good if you 
go step by step. So I, I like that. That's probably my favourite. Yeah, that is great. Um, and like also so many people need to hear that mm. too. Because we always worry about how far we're behind everyone or how good everyone else is doing compared to me. Don't compare that. It doesn't matter how bad it, yeah, um, where, it doesn't matter where you start. As long as you start, that's where you end up thinking. Yeah, no, that's good. Really good advice. I'm going to start using it. Mm. <laughs> and the last one, question number 10. Describe the rest of your life in five words. Now, this doesn't have to be five individual words. It could even be a sentence. Mm, five words. It's a bit of an on the spot. Um, the rest of my life, well, I suppose I, I want to be culturally strong, proud country boy. Yeah. That's probably the five words. <laughs> culturally strong, proud country boy. Because I, if I can show everyone that I'm, you know, I'm culturally, I'm strong, which means I'm still connected to my community, my people, and story, and and still doing good things in my, in my community for my mob. And then being from the country and being a country boy is what I'm proud of too. I know people are from the bush who don't have much, but just want to go on and do something good. So that'll probably be the five words. Yeah, no, that's a good, very, very emblematic of you too um, in your future. Dean, you have just finished the Mojo 10. Thank you very much. There are no prizes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you got all of them right. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Um, like, sort of in closing, I just wanted to say um, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate the generous time that you've given to me. I know we had a bit of a slow start, but mm -hmm. um, no, I've really appreciated the fact that you've shared with us today so much about not only, um, you know, your background, uh, what did it, your inspiration, what your inspirations have been, also what you're trying to achieve, uh, but also uh, the excitement that we can look forward to in your future, to, whether it be as a coach or whether it's your continued work um, for the Indigenous community um, and and also um, all of the great things that we can expect from just being around the game because, you know, you've got hot takes, we see you on NRL, we, you know, we hear uh, and we see a lot of your other work too. So um, especially grateful to have the time to speak with you today and I hope our listeners um, also take a lot from this particular interview because I know I certainly did and um, you know I was trying to come in here not being too awestruck <laughs> uh, meeting you because um, it feels like I've learned of like I'd learned so much about who you are before I've met you um, and um, and yeah I've, I've really enjoyed it and um, I hope everyone who's listening um, you know, learns a little bit more about Dean, but also can look forward to more great things from Dean. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Uh, hopefully catch up again soon. Mate. Thank you, Dean. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about 
Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.